Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week's episode was recorded live on stage at the Trocadero Theater in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's a good one. Let's go to the stage. Tonight's case, un chien en deluge. Andy and Catherine bring the case against their respective spouses, Karen and TC. Karen and TC believe dogs need weather-protective clothing, in particularly cold or wet weather. Andy and Catherine say that dogs are born with fur and paws that can withstand weather conditions, and additional clothing draws unwelcome attention. Who's right, who's wrong, only one man can decide. Please rise, metaphorically, as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and delivers the obscure cultural reference. Nurse, nurse, come quick. I have a confession to make. I, John Barker, murdered the night watchman of the Dogville department store. The bookkeeper is innocent. Oh, the pearly gates, the pearly gates, they're beckoning. Oh, Gabriel, blow that horn louder, louder, louder. Do you swear? Uh, please raise your right hands. This is very distressing. (laughs) Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, or whatever? I do. I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he wears protective booties no matter what the weather? I do. I do. Very well, Judge Hodgman. Andy, Catherine, Karen, and TC. You're TC? Yep. You're Karen. Catherine, Andy. I will try to keep it straight. This is the first time we've had couples suing couples. <laughs> the, the couples are cross-suing yeah, the couples cross-suing, here. Cross- this is like a legal key party. Yeah, I know. This is the swingingest. <laughs> it's, it's unnerving. Uh, but let's get this out of the way. For an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors, and you guys can work together as a team, can either of you name the piece of culture that I referenced as I entered the courtroom uh, let's see. Uh, who should go first? Who's, who is being brought to this court? All right. So that's TC and Karen. TC and Karen, you are being brought to this court against your will regarding this argument about dog clothing. Uh, you have the choice to either guess first or make uh, uh, Catherine and Bozo. What is your name? <laughs> Andy. Andy. This is, you are really taxing this court with all of your names. You don't... We should get, like, giant prices Right style yeah, We really tags. should. We really should. Also, we should get all the other stuff from the prices Right. People yep. like the prices Right. Yep. I went to CBS Television City once, and I spun that wheel. Really? And they, they asked me to leave. <laughs> they said, please don't do that. It's, it's 2 a.m., sir. <laughs> there was a brief time when I was living on the prices Right studio. <laughs> all right. So, TC and Karen, do you choose to guess first or make uh, Catherine and Andy guess first? Yeah, I'm going to invite Andy and Catherine. The classic coward's maneuver. All right. (laughs) Andy and Catherine are talking to each other. And are you ready to make the guess? Yeah. All right, step forward and speak into the microphone, sir. I think it is from a a film called The Man Who Wasn't There. Film The Man Who Wasn't There, the the Coen Brothers film. 
starring Billy Bob Thornton? The very same. All right. Well, put that into the guest book. That is officially a guest. So now, noted. Now it is time. You can avoid this no longer. All cowards face justice eventually. <laughs> TC and Karen, what is your guess? I'm going to go with Airbud 3, World Pup. <laughs> Let her get... Please. Let her get the subtitle out, please. That is Airbud 3, World Pup. World Pup. I did not know there was a third Airbud movie. Well, Judge Hodgman... Indeed. There's nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't play soccer. <laughs> Good point. We'll put that in the guest book. And now I may tell you, all guesses are wrong. Although Air Bud, that would have been a good, that would have saved me a lot of time if I had thought of that. I would have been on time for dinner with my aunts if I had thought of that. If I had thought to go to there. No, you're completely wrong. Why did you think the man who wasn't there? That has nothing to do. Does that have a dog in it even? No, but yeah. I, it just sounded Save like Save that a... for the barbershop case, dum-dum. <laughs> no, so that quote was the rather touching death scene of the character... What's his name? Oh, here it is. John Barker, who is the villain in a 1930 short called The Big Dog House. <laughs> MGM, between 1929 and 1931, made nine short subject comedies that were all set in Dogville and all of the characters were dogs dressed up in clothes <laughs> and were forced by, I would say, mysterious means to walk around on their hind legs <laughs> wearing clothes in a rather unnerving display of acrobatics for dogs. And uh, then they would get them somehow, I guess using peanut butter, like with Mr. Ed, they would get them somehow to open their and close their mouths, and then actors would dub the lines. This, whole, this whole act, by the way, originated right here at the Trocadero yeah, exactly. in Philadelphia, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Exactly. If you like seeing confused, terrified dogs in tuxedos and gowns, <laughs> you should check out all of these. Now, this is a non-visual medium uh, for those listening at home, and even here we don't have a screen we can't show you. But everyone always delights at the sound of Jesse Thorne's laughter. And uh, maybe if I show him uh, just a scene from this, you might hear that laughter or you might learn to delight at Jesse Thorne's gasps of disgust. <laughs> Hang on one second while I bring it up and we'll just see. <laughs> this is, okay, so. this is from the first one. This was called Hot Dog. This, 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 this was the first film in the Dogville uh, series. They're, they were billed as a series of barkies instead of talkies. Get it? Ha, ha, ha. And, and what, what we're seeing here is a, it's a saloon with a bunch of dogs dancing and drinking. It opens with dogs drunk at a table. Okay. <laughs> what are you doing, guys? <laughs> You can see this. Oh, 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 that's a dog waiter. It's a dog holding a, a tray. Holy sh! Look at these dogs. Oh my god. Oh, 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 oh,
know that the church was going to do that to me. <laughs> do you need a moment to collect yourself? I honestly could not have dreamed of a more perfect response. <laughs> That's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. What, what, oh. What's interesting, it's as, as amusing as it is, it's also very troubling because the dogs truly seem terrified the entire time. <laughs> and given the fact that it was made in 1930s, uh, it's weird seeing dogs be uh, racially insensitive to each other. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you do check it out, uh, please, trigger warning, okay? It's just, there's some not right stuff in it. But it is worth a look. Anyway, neither of you teams of, of married people got that right, so we have to hear this case. So, which one of you believes that dogs should be dressed up and made to make movies? TC and Karen? Okay, yes, you can also speak, because we're recording this. <laughs> That's a... Not totally sure it's an accurate ca characterization, but yes. Well, how would you characterize it? Functional wear, coats, shoes. Oh, okay. As needed. Okay, and you have a dog? Yes. But you didn't bring it? No. What is the name of your dog? Melody. Melody. And how old is your dog? She's five. And what kind of dog is she? She's a pit bull mix with three legs. Oh, wow. I thought you said a pit bull mixed with three legs. <laughs> it's a strange mutt. Cronenberg dog. You know how those pit bulls sometimes mate with human legs? <laughs> Got it. Well, she sounds wonderful. And you like to put, uh, what, like a raincoat on her? Her, her belly is bald. She's got a bald so belly? She's, she this is a weird dog. Fur. She's a little cold. She, she gets cold? Yeah. So what do you do? You take a blanket and you duct tape it around her midsection? <laughs> I think there's something available on the internet that I could kind of encircle her in for walks. Well, you, oh, so you don't have something yet? No, I tried to buy TC something said, that did not fit. Yeah, TC said, we, we can't buy any dog clothes until we get the approval of our lovers, Karen and Andy. <laughs> Another one, and Andy said I had to wait. Uh, Andy, uh, you and Catherine are married. No. No. No, excuse me. You are a couple? No. Just friends. And we are just friends. You and, you and Andy remember are just... the Remember the key party aspect of this. <laughs> excuse me. I thought that. But Andy, Karen, you and, D and TC are married. No. no. They're married uh, to each other. What the hell is going on? <laughs> what the heck is going on here? So, Karen and Andy this, are married. What's going all... on right now is, is like the literal example of what they said would happen if gay marriage became legal. <laughs> Plus dogs. Yeah. There are literally men marrying dogs on this stage right now. Okay. Will the married couples... Are, is there one married couple? Two married couples. In each... All right, you guys switch. Are... For, okay, I got it. Let the record show... Okay, now kiss. Let, let the record show that I just witnessed wife swapping <laughs> for the first time in my life on stage here in Philadelphia. But you are on opposite sides. So Andy and Karen, 
you are married in life, but on opposite sides of what should be done with your dog, Melody. Is that correct? That is correct. correct. All right. Now, TC and Catherine are married. You do all live together, though, in a geodesic dome? <laughs> with a bunch of futons or whatever, and it's just a classic Center City cuddle puddle? Is that what's going on? Don't be ridiculous, Judge Hodgman. It's a yurt. It's a yurt. <laughs> All right, so Catherine and TC, you... Wait a minute. Now go back to your teams. <laughs> Andy? Ca Catherine, I don't understand what, what you're doing. What, what, uh, my absolute favorite part of this whole thing is the husbands hunched over slightly over the wives' shoulders makes them look like extras in a production of The Music Man. <laughs> Like, they're all ready to just go, trouble, 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 trouble. I was in The Music Man. Whoa! What part did you play? Tommy Gilles. Do you remember any of it? I, I remember ad-libbing with a trombone at the end, but that was really it. You had no lines? Did you have a song? Yeah, I had, a, I had a one song, but I don't remember yeah. it now. It sure was in 10th grade. Of course you remember it. <laughs> I, I truly don't, I really don't. It was 10th grade. I, I can't right. be responsible Here's what I want you to do. Catherine, please stand up. Andy, please sit down. Now I can figure this out. The, so there's a couple standing, there's a couple sitting. And really, right? Solved it. And, re and really, this dispute can only be between Karen and Andy because it's a dispute over their dog. And oh, what, now Now what? Uh, well, TC and Katie have a dog, too, and they have a dispute with their dog. TC and Katie, well, we'll get to you in a Wait, moment. Wait, they have a dispute it's the same with dispute, their dog? Yeah. <laughs> What's the name of your dog, TC and Katie? Uh, we have a dog named Hoagie. And Hoagie. <laughs> do, you, do you also own a cat named On the Nose? Is your dispute with Hoagie that you do not want to follow its instructions to murder? <laughs> uh, no, I, I just want to get a raincoat for Hoagie. All right. You and Katie? I do not. All right. Look, there are dogs that wear rain gear. I've seen it. And greyhounds have to wear funny boots because there's something wrong with their paws. <laughs> They can't walk on salt or something like that. And also, people, people love to see uh, greyhounds humiliated for some reason. It's part of our culture for a long time. They're just such weird-looking, goofy dogs. Eh, they're too fast. Yeah. yeah, they have to be hobbled. They, can't, they, might just, they might just quicksilver out of there you know, if you don't weigh them down Harrison Bergeron style. Now, that was a couple of different references. I had a, I had a big cup of coffee before I took the stage. So... I know the argument for buying a raincoat for a dog. I want to hear the argument for why your dog should get wet and suffer. Andy, why should Melody not wear a raincoat? So it, it, is, it is Katie and my contention that every... I, you know what? I'm separating these things. Okay. Yeah, you understand? Fine. Because okay. I'm too confused as it is. Sure. So it is, it is my contention that, that after you have chosen to live with a dog and make it a part of your home and family, that everything you do after that is a preference. So feeding the dog, 
watering the dog, walking the dog. These are all things that we have chosen to do. And I think that what Karen is saying... In order to keep the dog alive. Well, right, right, yeah. It's not a preference. Well, I mean, it's... We have... We prefer to have the dog be a part of our family, so I... You have the other option to to not feed the dog or ever walk it. (laughs) Keep it in her locked room with a video camera on it and watch it. I, I think, though, that, like, that, that the argument to be made on the other side is that we're, you're sort of deciding what is t- absolutely necessary. And I'm saying that the only, the only thing that you've cho- like after you've decided you want the dog, yes. everything is a preference. So like with my dog... I feel you, like you're describing a sort of Ramsey Bolton scenario. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's what I mean. First like, of all, all right, this argument feels too philosophical and, frankly, sinister. So, you're out of the seat, Katie, you're in. This is ta- tag team justice. Katie, why shouldn't Hoagie wear a raincoat? I do not believe Hoagie should wear a raincoat. Uh, we have a fairly distinctive breed. He's a Bergamasco. And a has what? A what? A Bergamasco. It's I'm sorry? It's an Italian sheepdog. Oh. Alpine sheepdog. That sounds great. They're great, but um, they also grow dreadlocks. That's the way that their hair grows. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so he is extremely distinctive and gets a lot of attention right. when we're out uh, walking him in the streets of Philadelphia. Right. Um, some of the attention is great. People want to know more about the dog, want to pet the dog, get to know the dog. Some of the attention is very negative, and right. I really do... A lot of do... cat calling. Hey, baby. <laughs> I... I... <laughs> More like, you know, how dare you dread your dog's hair, things like that. And, oh, because people don't know, people think... Think uh, that we've chosen to dread Rastafarianism the dog's hair. Rastafarianism for that, your dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I could see how having people have the impression of you, of taking a normal dog and trying to give it dreadlocks, would make you be the worst human monster. No, I, I, under- <laughs> I definitely understand it. Right. Um, but my so, husband, uh, by TC... That, by that logic, you should want to cover that dog up. You should want to put it in a, in a, in a giant cape that that's, covers it. But a that's giant not what flowing they, cape. That's not really what they look like, though, when they're in these raincoats. It just makes them look weirder <laughs> and more distinctive and really, really stand out. And TC receives generally positive feedback. I receive much more of the negative feedback from people. And so I'm... That's I'm interesting. So TC, your husband, when walking your weirdo-looking dog that you chose... Mm-hmm. Gets positive feedback. All right, Karen, you're out. In, TC. Let's go. <laughs> Tag. So, like, when you walk down the street with, uh, with your Bob Marley dog, people say to you, what? So, uh, we... Uh, I can't this, believe these dogs aren't here. Our, <laughs> our, we, this is our second Bergamasco. Our last one died about a year ago. And Sorry to hear that. Almost every time we walked the dog, somebody would see the dreadlocks and say either Bob Marley dog or Rasta dog. And so with this dog, we've decided to start counting how many times it occurs. And we're inclined on the stage here to say that both Rastafarian dog from Jesse and Bob Marley dog from you, Judge, count toward our ongoing marking. I'm not not sure the people of Philadelphia are familiar with some of the more deep cuts in the (laughs) reggae performer world. Because um, those are both on the nose like Hoagie. You know what I mean? <laughs> so how often? How often does he get called out? Yeah, but, but yeah. I, 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 multiple times a walk, every walk, And every for day. you that's positive, 
No. Oh, but she, but Katie just said that TC that you received it's a positive experience. We we have both had people call the ASPCA because they think we've done something terrible to the dog. So, how did this become just a just a case about your poor choice of dog? <laughs> What does this have to do anything with raincoats and, and dressing dogs up? Well, so um, our, our last dog, when, uh, when it would rain outside, he would, we, we wouldn't be able to take him anywhere. If he had a vet appointment or something like that, we'd have to cancel and reschedule it. Because he's got a lot of hair. Because it, what when, happens, because what when, happens when he's soaking he gets wet? wet, it yeah. takes hours to dry him off. Right. And if he doesn't get fully dried off, he grows mold. This is a very strange animal. <laughs> that but I mean, said, a our... dog a dog that can't get wet does seem perfectly suited to the Italian Alps. <laughs> I I would just add though that Hoagie loves getting toweled off after it rains. We did have a major rainstorm yesterday morning. Right. And it's his favorite thing in the world. Sure. So I would... it, it may be a, a similar experience to being petted. Right. So, is there any grooming you can do to alleviate the unwanted attention and also mold <laughs> issues that you have with your dog? Or is it just, this, just the way it is? Would it help if you refrigerated your dog? <laughs> <laughs> their, their hair grows that way for a reason. It protects their skin. So, we, we choose not to take it off. But you could, you could give Hoagie a haircut. You could No. Groom, no. No. Because his coat repels scissors. Breaks well, it, 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 so it repels a little bit of water and it repels snow nicely, but um, if you were to cut the hair, it, it would grow back in a way that could hurt the dog. So he's great in the wintertime. He's lousy in the, the rain. You know what's great about dogs? Low maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> so it's growing a very particular coat yeah. that is designed to protect the dog and grow mold for nourishment. <laughs> When alone in the Alps. You want to cover it for your convenience, TC, but Katie, you do not want to cover it because you fear it will add to the unwanted attention that you may get. Correct. All right. Got it. Let's talk about uh, Melody now. Andy? Yeah. Have you rethought your argument? Well, no, I... <laughs> so, the dog hates clothing. The dog, from the moment we've gotten the dog, the dog has hated clothing. The dog loves playing in the snow. My feeling is, if the dog has expressed the preference, I want to... <laughs> like, so you go out for a walk, you spend a little bit of time, then you come inside, and you have a snuggle with the dog. And you're happier, and the dog is happier. I also don't... My dog also gets a lot of attention, because she has three legs, and she carries around a stuffed animal in her mouth, always. What is the, what is this, what is the stuffed animal? What is her prey? What, <laughs> her beloved prey. Whatever is closest to her when I grab the leash. So it could be a, um, there's a novelty hot dog, a mm-hmm. novelty corn cob. Mm-hmm. There is a, a, like a stuffed dog, a stuffed cat. I'm looking at Karen. What else? The, uh, the blue giraffe. Oh, and there's a blue giraffe. There's a blue giraffe. Zebra <laughs> type thing. So sh- she gets a lot of attention and I'm not, I, my concern and she is... Doesn't, she, she, she doesn't pick one. She's not monogamous with one. She's a swimmer no. like you No, guys. yeah, key yeah, party with the yeah, stuffies. I but I, my concern would be that it would look like an, sort of a manipulative affectation if I were to dress up the dog in addition to the three legs and the stuffy. Plus, she doesn't like it. 
And I don't either. How did she express her distaste for clothing in the past? Did you try to dress her up, Karen? Uh, so I bought her a coat that was too small. Uh-huh. It, it, so it didn't like go around her. So her right. preference was more like squished. I'm she, not sure it was a preference so much she, as she expressed her preference, her, her dissatisfaction with it by not being able to breathe and almost dying. <laughs> we didn't get to that point. Uh huh. But I took it off. Fairly but that was quickly. the one experience. Yeah, I've never seen her in anything else. And you haven't tried a, a, an appropriately sized garment since then. No. All right. Uh, and you really care a lot about what people think about your dog and whether it's well, affected or not. Well. In it, Are in you it, projecting? Because you're wearing blue glasses frames right now. <laughs> in addition to all that, she is not great with other dogs, and so sometimes she gets her hackles up. Uh huh. And if she's wearing clothing, I'm concerned that she would not be able to communicate to the other dogs, "Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm hackled." Hackles. If you don't know, a, a dog's hackles are its secret pincers on the back. It's... <laughs> When, when threatened, it, it grows a scorpion tail. <laughs> Certain breeds of dogs uh, do this. Uh, and uh, you have an the, affidavit to with that. The, what is the name of your... your Porta Mosco? Matadoresco? Bergamosco. Romanesco? Okay, yeah. Putinesca dogs, which have very thick Rastafarian dreadlock hair, the scorpion tail can't get out. And it can be, it can be very dangerous because uh, it'll sting itself. That's what a hackles is, just so you know. Uh, I, okay. Practically speaking, Karen, what are you going to get out of putting a thing on your dog? I just don't want her to be cold all winter. I want her to be able to go on long walks in the wintertime. How, how do you know that she's cold? Well, she doesn't have much fur at all. So actually, if she like lays down on the concrete and the concrete is cooler, you can touch her belly and her little belly feels cold. Oh. You know? <laughs> it's very precious. And she, she gets hot in the summer. So all summer we've had to do short walks because she... She's heat intolerant per the vet. Okay. So oh, yeah. I want her to go on long walks in the winter. I think. And uh, may I presume that do you, any of you have children? No. No. <laughs> Let the record show that my guess was correct. <laughs> so noted. Are you thinking about starting a family anytime soon, Karen? No. All right. <laughs> Katie, thinking about starting a family anytime soon? Maybe. Maybe. All right. All right. Good. As soon as that happens, none of, none of these issues are going to be a problem anymore. <laughs> You're going to forget you have a dog. All right, swap out again. Double swap. Katie, I just need to make sure I understand here. It will be embarrassing to you to have a, a weird dreadlock dog with a raincoat on? No. Okay, what's the, what's the issue? The issue is I do not appreciate getting yelled at by strangers for my dog. Well, right, but wouldn't hiding Hoagie's shame help you? I do not believe that the raincoats adequately hide the way he looks. And also, you know... What if you got Hoagie a waterproof, full-body, normal dog costume? <laughs> like a lab costume. <laughs> like a hide-in-plain-sight sort of thing. Chocolate Lab for Halloween. I'll check Amazon for that. All right. Why will having the raincoat on the dog attract more abuse to you than just having this weird old dog with mold in its hair? Uh, because it's just more attention to the, the dog. I, I'm not sure. Do you have this? Uh, is, uh, have you tried it? We have not tried it. I see. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, obviously... 
if you win, no raincoat. And Karen, if you win, then a raincoat. Any other outfits, Halloween costumes? Anything else I need to know before I go into my chambers? No. Go ahead, Andy. Oh, sorry. There's also the matter of footies on the paws. Footies on the paws? Yeah. Let's... So the claim is that the, that, that the salt from the roads is bad for the paws, yes. which I concede in, on the long term. But wouldn't it be better if the dog just got a rub down and you, you know, took, you know, you used a towel on the dog's paws instead of making the dog wear let me ridiculous. Turn, let me turn to the mob on that one. Is there anyone here who owns a greyhound who has to wear those little things? No. Does anyone here know what I'm talking about? All right. Are greyhounds? Has, has more... anyone here ever raced in the Iditarod? <laughs> Are greyhounds specifically more susceptible to paw damage from salt than other breeds? So it's all, all across the, all right, all across the canine world, dogs are wearing footies. That's the first lyrics of some song, I think. <laughs> you don't want your dog to wear booties because... They look ridiculous, she hates it, and I don't think that it's actually going to damage the dog if you go on a walk and then wipe off the salt when right. you get back. Right. Which I would happily do. Right. Katie would as well. But we can get your dog a, a pair of attention-getting blue eyeglasses frames. Hey, I think, I think they look great. Thank you. But, you know, <laughs> they cost $8. Yeah, that's like, but, you know, when, when you're talking about, you're, you're worried about the dog coming across as pretentious, that's like the pot calling. <laughs> <laughs> that's the pot calling the kettle a little affected. <laughs> All right, I got it. I got it. I got it. And if I, and I rule in, in your favor, TC, uh, no, wait a minute. Now you guys, I got all confused again. Right. Anyway, I think I, I think I have everything. I've, I've drawn a little chart here of your relationships, <laughs> your various facial hair configurations and so forth. I think I've got you all straight. Uh, I, need, I have what I need in order to make my decision. I'm going to go into my doghouse and do my deliberations. I'll be back in a moment with my decision. Please rise metaphorically as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. I can't claim to remember what your names are. <laughs> so I'm going to refer to you by interest group. Um, pro clothing group. How cute would the clothing be? And I'm going to give you an example here. I bought a trench coat for my dog, Coco, that made her look like a little detective. I'm not proposing that the clothing be cute necessarily. I think the dogs are adequately cute, and I don't want to cause any discomfort to my spouse, whom I love. I'm not opposed you to You mean cute. discomfort from excessive cuteness? That's right. He's very sensitive. Uh-huh. <laughs> cute glasses, by the way. <laughs> For the against dogs camp here... No, I, I think just against dog clothing. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I guess in my imagination, because I watched that little movie on John's phone, all dogs wear clothes. <laughs> <laughs> For the against dog clothes cam, what's the harm? Well, in our affidavit, we had our dog walker actually say that 
it, if you add clothes to dogs, they're not able to communicate with each other with dog body language and identifying whether or not they're upset or if they want to have more interest in the other dogs. And so I think that particularly for Melody, who can sometimes be a little ornery, this will kind of be a problem if she is feeling aggressive and the other dog doesn't realize that because she has a, a sweatshirt on. Will, will Hoagie ever get a, a brother or sister, and um, why will it be named Wawa? <laughs> <laughs> or will it be called Little Debbie Snack Cakes? <laughs> okay, I'm done. Uh, we'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say as he re-enters the courtroom. You may be seated, uh, and please sit next to your spouses. If you remember who your spouses are. <laughs> All right. Let the record show that seated before me are TC and Katie, the uh, companions to Hoagie, a strange breed of dog. Is it? I've never heard of this magical beast <laughs> that grows dreadlocks and mold and mushrooms in its fur <laughs> and causes people to yell at you as you walk down the street. Is this one of those dogs you can only see if you've witnessed someone dying firsthand? <laughs> Some sort of strange demon ghost dog? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rule separately on these two cases because every dog is different uh, and uh, this one is decidedly different. In this case, I, it's very interesting to me that you not only have a dog that attracts such unwanted attention and people call the authorities on you and you go to dog jail or potentially go to dog jail, but the, that, you, that you already had one of these dogs and presumably had gone through this experience and you chose to have another. I presume that's because you really love this particular breed of dog and you also love negative attention from fellow citizens. <laughs> Maybe, Katie, that's why on some level you don't want to cover up your dog's weird coat because you want people to yell at you? I don't think so. I think in this case, it's very rare that I look around uh, the dogs on the streets of uh, Brooklyn where I live and those that are wearing clothes, I say to myself, that's a good look. It's very rare. <laughs> Nor nor, nor do I look around and see dogs wearing sweaters and coats and deerstalker caps and whatever else they're wearing and think that's necessary. But it seems to me that your dog has such a special situation and such a strange coat that uh, needs to be protected and kept clean and cannot be cut or else it might come to life on its own. I don't know what <laughs> other weird things are going on with this particular breed of dog. But it does seem to me that this is a situation where, much like someone who has dreadlocks, care needs to be taken with the hair. And so uh, I'm not sure that you convinced me that covering the dog with some sort of waterproofing uh, would increase the amount of negative attention you got. Uh, and you haven't tried it, so I don't know if there's an argument akin to what Andy is saying, that, the, that Hoagie himself uh, won't go for it. So in this case, I'm ordering a trial period 
of a barber waxed cotton covering that you can get for dogs. That's a British brand of hunting jacket, very high end. Uh, it's, it, it, I like it. I, lo- I like the barber wax. Is it wax cotton? Yeah, it's a wax cotton. It's, it's a wax cotton. It's got a, It's got. A, you know how sheep give off lanolin, and maybe your dog does too. <laughs> maybe your does. Does your dog's coat secrete a waxy coating of any kind? In any case, this is a very. This is a very weird waxy fabric that they use for hunting jackets in England, and I like it because it's thorn proof. And I didn't even know that it was. I'm not buzz marketing it. I just didn't know it was available until I started searching up dog clothes today. And I'm like, <laughs> one of these dogs is going to be wearing that, and it could not be more perfect than for Hoagie. So that's where I rule for Hoagie. I find in favor of TC. That's the sound of that gavel. Now, now we have Karen and Andy. Who, this case I find to be a little bit more psychologically interesting because. Uh, you know, you, you get a dog for companionship. You get a dog for all kinds of reasons. And, um, and some people get dogs uh, as personal expression, um, an expression of their own sensibility and style. And I kind of feel like you're in that camp, Andy. I kind of feel like... <laughs> no. No? Okay. Well, please. Well, I, in both of these cases, there's a lot of discussion of what other people are going to think about your dog and how to, in, in the case of uh, TC and Katie, mitigate the abuse they get on the street. And in your case, you're worried that people are going to think your, your dog is a pretentious jerk if it's, where, <laughs> if it's carrying around a blue giraffe. Oh, really, a blue giraffe and a little, uh, a little coat? <laughs> a pocket square and a boutonniere? <laughs> Come on. Whereas of the two of you, Karen is the only one who's going like, our dog is cold and it needs to be warmer. (laughs) However, this is a situation in which you have tried putting a a piece of clothing on the dog before and it did not have, uh, it had adverse consequences. And so I think that it is reasonable if if your dog has a bald belly and you really want to keep that belly warm, you can get an appropriately sized garment. And it has to be okayed by Andy, because he knows how to, how to put a dog look together. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? It can't look dumb. It's got to be, it's got it's to all work. Do you know what I mean? The whole <laughs> thing's got to work. And I'm going to do a moratorium on booties and just let your dog walk in the salt all winter long so that uh, for one year, and so a year from now, when your dog's paws are ruined and you have to go to the vet, then Andy will finally realize he doesn't know everything. <laughs> but then, but I, may I be clear that I'm finding a trial basis only. If indeed Andy is correct, and he may be because he knows his dog and he loves his dog, Melody, and Melody is not having it with that thing, don't make her wear that thing. This is the sound of a gavel number two. Judge Sean Hodgman rules that is all. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy, Catherine, Karen, TC. Thank you so much for joining us on the Judge Sean Hodgman podcast. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support. 
of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Uh, Judge Hodgman, you know, we could prattle on all night or we could introduce our brilliant musical guest. We do. We should. We have a very brilliant musical guest. Um, uh, those of you who saw my uh, comedy special Ragnarok uh, were introduced to one of my very favorite singers and songwriters in the world, uh, a woman named Cynthia Hopkins, whose music uh, is very dear to me and um, I've listened to it uh, all, uh, constantly for the uh, now almost an entire decade. Uh, and I already feel like I wish it were 25 to 35 years, which is, of course, my age. I'm 25 to 35. Let's just say that. Uh, she's got the most incredible voice, and um, she writes the most incredible songs. And you're lucky because she recently moved to Philadelphia. 
uh, and, and loves it here. And so this is a welcome home of a sorts for Cynthia Hopkins, and I hope you will join me in greeting her now. Ladies and gentlemen, Cynthia Hopkins. sing just video killed the radio star just like three more times and just so I can sing over the top of you That's Cynthia Hopkins, ladies and gentlemen. We'll hear a little bit more from her later. 
Uh, and uh, you should want to check out all of her music. She's got so many great albums and everything else. And she also does a podcast here from Philadelphia about moving to Philadelphia and interviewing people here in Philadelphia. It's all on CynthiaHopkins.com. Isn't that right, Jesse? That's absolutely correct. In fact, uh, she booked Dr. Hicks while we were sitting backstage. That's right. <laughs> She's Speaking a mover of. and a shaker. <laughs> Um, Judge Hodgman, why don't we bring out our next guest on the program? I think that would be wonderful. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Well, you saw him at the top of tonight's show. He's a great friend of this court, the director of the Mutter Museum and Historical Medical Library, and our expert witness tonight. Please welcome Dr. Robert Hicks. Dr. Hicks, how are you, sir? I am doing fine. The last time I saw you, uh, you were handing me a jar uh, full of flakes of human skin. I aim to please. <laughs> now, this is the first time I have met you in person, uh, Dr. Robert Hicks. First of all, I am so excited that you dressed as an old-timey undertaker today. <laughs> seems could not have been more perfect for what I imagine the director of the Mutter Museum uh, to uh, dress as, uh, and uh, I'm so thrilled. The museum has been um, such a touchstone destination for me here in Philadelphia. It, it, it tempts my imagination and tests my stomach every time I go and visit it, but we only spoke on the, on the phone when you called in as an expert witness on a case uh, where a husband wanted to uh, take his dead dog's body, bleach its bones, and, turn, and, and, and articulate them into a skeleton himself. And... <laughs> And you argued very persuasively that this was a terrible idea. <laughs> I still think so. <laughs> and I, how did you come to be the, the director of the museum? Uh, were, were you always a, a curator? No, I've had a couple of careers. I've actually retired from law enforcement. Uh, I've been a naval officer, but to get this job was easy. I just... Uh, sat out on the sidewalk with a sign that says, we'll direct museum for food. And that was it. <laughs> Wait a minute. What branch of law enforcement did you uh, serve in? The good kind. Okay. <laughs> How does you make the transition truly into, into directing a museum? Oh, all these things are related. It's yes, all I'm just asking you order. to elaborate the connections. <laughs> Always been fascinated with things, museums, things that tell stories. Mm -hmm. But as far as museum things are concerned, law enforcement is right in line with the Mütter Museum of Forensic Science, for example. Mm -hmm. And when you, uh, on your work day, do you, do you get to uh, roam the museum after hours? Anytime I want. Do you? Sure. Like I just don't sleep there overnight. <laughs> <laughs> Why, because you're chicken? I, I know what crawls on the floor at night. I have some of them in jars in my office. Really? You have oh, an yes. infestation? You may not want this to be on the radio. <laughs> it's an old building. Philadelphia's an old town. Things yeah. walk in. So how long have you been, have you been the director there? A bit over eight years. And, uh, and it's quite a, a legacy to inherit. Uh, I really feel like the museum has become uh, much more uh, proactive in, in, in its programming and getting, getting well, children in. <laughs> oh, yes. We have lots of fun with children. And it, yeah. <laughs> Describe, yes, 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 there are some in jars, that's true. <laughs> when those... our, our curator had her first, possibly only child, 
she uh, duly cataloged him as a specimen. So he is technically property of the museum, and we can recall <laughs> him for exhibition when we please. How? Dr. Hicks, do you just respond to like any mention of a noun with, yes, 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 we have some in jars? We have a diverse collection. <laughs> Aunt Beth, Aunt Judy, Aunt Jane, Aunt Susan, have any of you ever been to the Mutter Museum? So, oh, for shame. For those, for those in the front row and those listening who may not know the museum, why don't you describe the collection a little bit, please? It's the place that is disturbingly informative. You can literally see what you cannot see anywhere else, inside your bodies when bodies go wrong. It's a medical history museum. We have scientific breakthroughs happening. We have science projects. We're not just an old cabinet of curiosities, but a vibrant place with a very large collection. And we're probably the most significant museum of our kind in the United States. So we can, you see things you cannot see anywhere else. But Bring your kids. I feel, I feel like you're dancing a little bit around the fact that it's a bunch of skulls. <laughs> no, no, it's no. It's a bunch of skulls and... and There's and, also kidney stones. And, and your favorite megacolon. That's right. Yeah, well, everyone, you, you come for the uh, full-body cast of Chang and Eng, the original Siamese twins, you stay for the megacolon. That's right. <laughs> it's a, co a collection, a historical co collection of specimens of... Physical bodies gone wrong? Or? Pathological interest. They're, it's a pathological anatomy collection. But we have instruments. We have models. Yes. Uh, beautiful sculptures in wax. Uh, oh. Obviously, a lot of specimens. If people come to the museum and see something that looks exquisitely human or part of a human in a jar with liquid, it's the real thing. If it's not, if there's no liquid, it's an exquisite wax model. So it's artistry as well as science. Yes. Dr. Hicks, the museum's been operating continuously for quite a long time, right? Since 1863. And originally this was primarily not so much a public exhibition as a way to study medicine, at least as it existed in the late 19th century. Yes, and that continues to be true. The specimens are used for study. We have physicians come and study specimens to gain insights into the diseases that afflict us right now. Which of the items at the museum upsets you personally the most? That's easy. We have a skeleton of a man named Harry Eastlack, who had a very, very rare disease abbreviated FOP. Now, this is a genetic trigger that tells your muscles and connective tissue to stop making more of the same and instead making bone. So you have a perfectly normal skeleton and you begin to grow a second skeleton over it. It eventually will suffocate you. Uh, and this is the real terror. There is no cure. There's no way to stop it. If a surgeon opens you up to remove that excess bone, it brings it back more aggressively. It is a truly nightmare disease. Now, Dr. Hicks, uh, this I think is the natural follow-up question. Would anyone have laughed had I interrupted you to ask if FOP stood for Fash Out Posse? Or in view of my law enforcement, Fraternal Order of Police. No, there you go. Um, but it's fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva, and I have practiced that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're great uh, at advising a man not to uh, bleach his dog's bones and turn it into a toy. Uh, and we have some friends uh, of the podcast here from Philadelphia who appeared earlier on the podcast who have a fascination 
uh, with skeletons and uh, and taxidermy, and maybe we can welcome them to the stage. Jesse, can you explain? Uh, yeah, so in episode 94, we presented bleached and mounted bones of contention. Our litigants were Nick and Sarah. They're here with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nick and Sarah. Hello. Hi. Now, in this case, Judge Hodgman, you may recall that I don't. Nick I don't expressed remember. an interest in collecting skeletons and taxidermied animals. He brought his wife, Sarah, to court uh, because she wanted him to limit his collection. You ultimately ruled that he could have five skeletons and one taxidermied animal. Um, you ordered him a grab bag of skulls to get his collection started. Oh, yes. From Skulls Unlimited in Oklahoma City, my favorite one-stop shop yes. for articulated skeletons and human bone specimens. Exactly. And then uh, I had recently received in the mail two very, very, very profoundly unwanted stuffed rodent creatures... <laughs> which I had named the Nightmare Goebbels. <laughs> they were so named not after the legendary Nazi, uh, as, as has often been asked since then, uh, but rather after uh, the time that my hamster got out when I was a child. Uh, and a few days later, my father brought me upstairs to the living room, sat me down, and said, Jesse, I have some bad news. Last night, I stepped on your Goebbels. <laughs> <laughs> These taxidermed gerbils, or whatever they were, squirrels, I think, originally, in life. Not squirrels. They were ground squirrels, maybe. That, Dr. Hicks, have you ever seen taxidermy go horribly wrong, <laughs> such that the creature no longer looks like a squirrel and now looks like a nightmare gerbil? Oh, yes. The, the photograph on your website from this very case. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, what's remarkable about them, and we'll get into this, is that they only got worse. But we, we should bring Nick and Sarah into this conversation. <laughs> All right, Nick and Sarah. Hello again. Hi. Hello. So, Sarah, uh, when I ordered your husband to start bringing skeletons into the house, mm -hmm. were you very disappointed? I didn't like to lose, so... Right. Yeah. But how has it been? Uh, what, what, what have you collected, Nick? What have you brought in, aside from the grab bag of skulls and the nightmare gerbil? Um, absolutely nothing. What? <laughs> so I found in your favor, and I, you just I, wasted it? So <laughs> He's into we, Pokemon Go I would now. Say about, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we, well, first me, and then her uh, became, I guess, sort of ethical vegetarians. Oh, I could see how that might have... I know, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and, that and taxidermy might not go <laughs> paw in paw. So I, I, my, my collection is limited to now four skulls of the ones that you gave me because I gave one of them to my nephew. So I have four remaining small skeletons provided by you, and the Nightmare Gerbil is no longer with us. Right. Well, so first of all, let's talk about the skulls. I, uh, I ordered a grab bag of skulls. You did? I did not know what skulls would be included. I've been wondering ever since. Can you tell me what skulls you got? Like, they were like voles and field mice, like very, very small, like field rodents. Basically bargain voles. basement skulls. <laughs> you tell, you're telling me I, I spent that money on a bag of vole skulls? <laughs> you did. Look, I love you, Skulls Unlimited of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, <laughs> but you have got to up your game. That, 
I don't need that. Those vole skulls, that's filler skulls. We all know that. But I mean, even if it had been four vole skulls and one tiger skull, (laughs) that would have been fair. That would have been... That would have been an incredible table setting. (laughs) And the taxidermy that you got was... Jesse sending you one of these nightmare gerbils, right? He did, yes. And 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 I, I presume that it still holds a place of honor in your home. Can, can I? Can I? Okay. Um, so I was terrified of it. Obviously. Sure. Can you? Um, could you? Uh, we, could you perhaps describe what it looked like to the best of your ability uh, upon its arrival? I mean, nightmare is really. <laughs> it was a squirrel, kind of. Um, you know. Frozen and terrified in time. Can you look? I, I realize that for those listening at home, this is a, a non-visual medium. But here we are in front of this great audience right. in Philadelphia. Maybe you could um, do your best imitation of it. <laughs> well, so he's all stretched out. I don't know if I well, can stand up. Really stand up stand and just up. do your best. He was very surprised, right? Right. Go ahead. So. <laughs> But then he was also, like, ready to attack. Yeah. So I don't know if I can combine <laughs> no, the two, but I'll just... Just, just turn around for a second. Take a moment. Just turn around. Get into your character. This is like and remember, a horrible the most important moment thing in, in acting school. The most important thing in acting is, is to commit. You know, you want to make strong choices and commit. So I don't want to see any half-ass nightmare squirrel <laughs> stuff here. I'll tell you what. I saw a picture of this thing. So I'm going to do it, and we're both going to do it. <laughs> and then between the two of us... Well, how about we'll this, Judge Hodgman? I'll have the two of you turn your backs to the audience yeah. right now, and then I will count one, two, three, turn, and each of you will turn and give your impression of the Nightmare Gerbil. Are you prepared? Okay. Thumbs up. One, two, three, turn. Now on, I have to stay in that character for the rest of the show. It's part of my method. How close were we? Were we close? Yeah. Did we look close? I want to. I feel like it was a real look that 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 gerbil was given. Now I think that you, from my perspective, you really captured the the kind of sickening terror that comes mm-hmm. from having seen it in the condition that it was when I sent it to right. you. Right. Which was, I mean, to be fair mint condition for a nightmare gerbil? Yeah. Okay. Mint condition nightmares. Yeah. It was, Judge John Hodgman's follow-up to his heavy metal album, Nightmare Gerbil. <laughs> it, was, it was Beckett graded nine. Mm-hmm. And does it still uh, occupy a place of honor in your home? So, you know, there was another nightmare gerbil, and I, I don't know what happened to it, but what happened to it our... It was given in, away in an essay contest. So what happened to our nightmare gerbil... It's true. Shortly after we received it, um, as most terrifying things do, it started losing its hair. (laughs) And then it quickly shed all of its hair. And then it sat in our house for... And then also, any, all of the sort of soft tissue bits started to disintegrate. Mm -hmm. So it, it had ears that then became just holes, and it had eyes that became holes. And it sat there. Where, where I was touch it in it. your house? Prominently displayed in the living room. 
What would guests say upon seeing this beautiful sight? Uh, my niece liked to play with it, so she would like put it on her shoulder and go, ah. But we, we, we didn't have a lot of guests. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. People would come over once, but then... I kind of envision you guys looking at this thing as it became more and more decrepit, and then one day just like staring into the abyss of its ear holes... <laughs> And saying to each other quietly, we, we have to become vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> well, we finally, we, we moved about six weeks ago. To get away from it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know what happened. They, they were there one night, then in the middle of the night, they jumped into their van and they never came back. Did, they left the lights on. <laughs> When you sold your old house, did you have to sign a disclosure form that said that it was built on a Gerbil burial ground? <laughs> well, we, we, we left it there at the old house. So that's where it is it's now? It's still there. Do you know if the new owners have done anything with it? Okay. You ever drive by at night here in the window? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm worried that it's going to find us in our, in our new house. So, <laughs> quick I, I want to get to the bottom of this, and it's a good thing you're here, Dr. Hicks, because Jesse Thorne, how long did you have that nightmare gerbil before we sent it over to Nick and Sarah? Uh, too long. Like, <laughs> I'm going to say a month. A month. <laughs> a month. Immediately upon receiving it, I was concocting schemes to unreceive it. <laughs> Such as essay contests. <laughs> and unloading it and cursing a, a young couple in Philadelphia with it. <laughs> All right. Dr. Hicks, you, you heard about the degradation of this taxidermied rodent. What did Nick and Sarah do wrong? Because I blame them. Is there, it, how does one maintain a specimen such that it lasts longer than the month that they had or whatever? Well, first of all, since I am the expert witness, I have to declare here and now it wasn't a gerbil. It's a squirrel and a greatly deformed and twisted one. Um, Would you like it for your museum? <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's a pathological interest. Just the fact that it scares kids, we can do that on our own. All right. <laughs> but do you feel that there was something, and I'm just going to say that it was Nick and Sarah's fault, that they did something wrong in the care of their specimen? Or what should one do when one receives a nightmare squirrel gerbil uh, to make sure it stays in good condition? The taxidermy is an art form. People who do it well are sculptors. Whoever did yours did it anonymously, and it was trash. <laughs> and they did I it have an to express anonymously, like under cover of night. Somebody, somebody thought, perhaps, perhaps it was the man in the course in the in the case in which I consulted earlier, who wanted to dig up his dog and uh, deflesh it and stuff it and present it. Uh, it's that bad a job. Yeah, from somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. And so it was the artist's fault, not the owner's fault. I think there's. A I mean, bit of fault attaching to the owner here. Let's and for this that. reason. All right. Because I've listened to the original case. Thank you. And this all started with an interest in collecting, an interest in, in exploring mortality, the natural world, learning through the specimens and through the taxidermy. It's been almost three years since that case. I'm appalled to find that there's no true collecting spirit here. They haven't done anything except... How's the specimen no, that you just, sent? Now they just collect tofu and quinoa. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. They, they haven't even acquired a standard colon, much less a mega colon. <laughs> yes. True collectors it is would true. have recognized that as a poor specimen, got rid of it, educated themselves, and started getting the really fine stuff. 
Well, it is interesting that you changed your mind, Nick. I mean, you really seemed interested in getting some skulls up in your house. And now, all of a sudden, you're like, just a salad for me, please. <laughs> Did you... What, what, what prompted the change in your lifestyle? Um, it's, it's, it's a, it, was a, it was a few different things. One of, the, one of the incidences was I, on my commute, I used to regularly walk by an agricultural high school that mm-hmm. kept cattle. Yeah. And I saw those cattle too many times. And, and I, 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 I don't felt... think anyone was asking you to keep a stuffed cow in your house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, where, wherever these animals are coming from, the, skull, the skeletons and the taxidermy, like, uh, presumably they were... They Apparently were... they're just coming from the vole farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they weren't. They, th- those animals presumably didn't die of natural causes, right? So I'm indirectly supporting... The, the unnecessary killing of animals where I to collect these things. If I were to find you probably, a... You probably could have figured that out when you called into my podcast. But at that and point... And you were like, I want to be... I want a lot of bones. <laughs> but at that point, it wasn't like an ethical quandary for me. It became that later. It was uh, by walking past that agricultural school. Yeah. All right. You just, yeah. you just had an, an, a conversion experience. I did. And Sarah, were you always a vegetarian? Or? Absolutely not. I'm actually, um, what I like to say, a reluctant vegetarian... Uh, we had a baby last year on the 4th of July. Oh. And I, I really, like, I don't want to hurt anything now that I'm a mom. Oh, now that you have a yeah. baby, you realize the Like, everything has a mom. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took me 32 years, but yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations. Hey, thanks. What's the name of your uh, baby? Is His your name ba- is Casper Ray. Casper Ray? Yeah. Not 4th of July baby? No. <laughs> oh, that's what I would have named it. <laughs> And so, <laughs> Judge Hodgman, that's how you ended up with two children named September 26th <laughs> and March 14th. Well, you know what? It helps me yeah. remember. Yeah. Uh, well, it's really wonderful to see you guys again. Do you have any dis- new disputes? That I have something. Since it turns out you wasted my time with that skull dispute because you immediately um, became a vegetarian afterwards. I, I want to I wanna dress our baby up as a war boy no. from Fury Road for Halloween. I rule in your favor. <laughs> Witness me! (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Nick and Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. From the Motor Museum, Dr. Robert Hooks. Dr. Robert Hicks, excuse me. Thank you so much, Dr. Hicks. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. We have a limited period of time left, and we really need to bring justice to Philadelphia. You all know this is a lawless land, and I, I, have, put on, I have put on my ride-in-the-circuit frontier lawman hat in order to get you guys in order. So we have some other litigants lined up. We have exactly 20 minutes to hear their cases, and if we go through fast, we're going to turn it out to the mob, and if you have any cases, you can raise your hand then. And so. if, if we're truly lucky, Cincinnati Reds first baseman Joey Votto is here in the audience tonight. <laughs> that sports thing went over my head. It was from our podcast. <laughs> oh, is that size seven women's or whatever? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I remember things. <laughs> size six women's, right? Yeah. Is the heckler here tonight? No. Are you guys booing him for not coming? If so, I mean, good work. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, Let's bring up our first case for swift justice, George and Jerry. As quickly as you can, gentlemen, this is swift justice. What is your case? Speak directly to the microphone. I'm setting the timer on justice now. Go. So um, a couple years ago, I had gastric sleeve surgery. And as a result, I can't really eat and drink at the same time. It makes me sick. Um, So when we... So you just have a a liquid for breakfast and then a solid for lunch? Is that what's going on? Uh, No, usually if if I've eaten something, I have to wait like 15, 20 minutes, maybe even a little longer before Mm -hmm. I have something to drink. Okay. Um, and so when we go out like drinking, like alcohol, mm-hmm. um, sometimes, especially when I first got the surgery, it was a little tough to find the, the correct timing um, where I wasn't basically drinking on an empty stomach, mm-hmm. um, but I would still be able to drink. Right. And so, um, especially at the beginning, you know, finding that balance. By the is way, hard. this is Philadelphia. I'm really glad a drinking issue <laughs> came up. Always. My pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Basically, Jerry, um, even to this day, now that I have gotten much more of a handle on the timing, Jerry, um, he mothers me, for lack of a better word. Sure. And um, even when I tell him that I have had something to eat and I am not drinking on an empty stomach, and no, Jerry, I won't be leaving early because I'm too tired, um, he gives me disapproving looks and doesn't believe me, and frankly, I would like it to stop. He's trying to get you to eat? Right. He, well, he basically he wants More. to make sure that I Is that right, I Jerry? Jerry, not... what, what's your friend talking about? Um, he's misrepresenting my views a little bit. I see. Um, in that, um, so yes, I, I am trying to get him to eat because obviously drinking on an empty stomach is not good. Right. And since he can only either drink or eat, um, sometimes uh, he decides to only drink uh, because he will pregame our pregames. Um, by which I mean, uh, he'll come over to my house with the express intent to come enjoy alcoholic beverages, but he will drink beforehand, thus ensuring that he has to drink on an empty stomach, 
because he can't eat then before he comes. Like, You're drinking in order to drink more, in order to trick yourself out of eating so you can drink more. Well, the, the problem is, is that I am uh, pretty far away from Jerry's house, and so by the time I get there, people are already several in, and, and you know, I want to make sure that we're not, I'm not too far behind. With all due respect, the problem is that you, sir, are ruining your life through alcoholism. <laughs> 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 what are your what are your ages? Uh, I'm 23. 23. I am also 23. Ugh. Well, <laughs> I I would also just like to add that there's a reason that I don't go out drinking with my mother, and that's because I don't want to have to worry about somebody watching me all the time and worrying about what I'm doing. Is that the only reason you don't go out drinking with your mother? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it seems. Otherwise, I'm, it would be on. <laughs> What I'm unclear on here is whether Jerry is mothering you in order to make sure that you have enough food so you don't get sick from drinking, or stop, or he's mothering you in trying to get you to eat food so that you can drink more and more and more and more. Jerry, which is it? A little bit of both? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how much concern you have for your friend's safety or how much you, concern you have for keeping it going all night long. There is quite a bit of concern for his safety. Okay, good. And I think I would be concerned because you obviously have some gastrointestinal stuff going on. Well, I, I can't, it can't be healthy to be drinking on an empty stomach. Like I said, uh, this, a lot of this was from when I had first gotten the surgery. I've since gotten much more of a grip on the timing and being able to handle it and making sure that I have spaced out my intake uh, appropriately. But the, the problem is, and my real issue here, is not the fact that Jerry is concerned for my safety. It's the fact that when I tell him that I have eaten, and this, this happens now, is, uh, is that he doesn't believe me and still gives me grief the entire night. And, so act out the grief. Um, right. Pretend you're Jerry and, okay. and he's you. George, George, did you have anything to eat before you came over? And then he said... And oh, I, my I God, say it's yes. unbearable. And then... And then... <laughs> and then when I say yes, he goes, mm-hmm, okay. It's okay. <laughs> a pretty accurate impression of me. You, by necessity, have to organize your life to some degree around eating uh, and timing your eating and your uh, liquid intake. Sure, this, doesn't, uh, this isn't even just about alcohol. Like I had to figure that out through Well, I, let me make sure I understand. When you say you can't eat and drink at the same time, do you mean you can't drink anything or you can't drink alcohol? No, I mean, it's, it's Do you not know even, that there are other liquids? I, I am aware. I have been told. I'm not necessarily familiar with them, but I have been told. If um, you travel to Boston, New York, other cities in the region, you'll find that people drink other liquids. <laughs> um, no, the issue, it's not even really that I can't. It's just that it makes me uh, uncomfortable. Like, the, the food, you know, bloats a little bit. And... But, but that's any liquid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you are in a situation where you have to take extreme care and organize your life to some degree around your eating habits and your eating patterns and your eating schedule, right? Yes. And uh, you are at the age when a lot of people organize their, their lives around how quickly and fast they can get drunk. But you cannot organize your life. You should stop organizing your life around when you drink and how long you can drink for. Unfortunately, you, you especially have to be extra careful. And there's no way on earth I'm going to upgrade your friend for making sure that you take care of yourself. So, guess what? We're all your mother now. Take care of yourself. <laughs> I rule in favor of Jerry. George and Jerry. Our next litigants, Annie and Phil. Annie and Phil, please approach. You may be seated. Now, what is the problem here? Uh, 
Ann and I are aspiring but currently non-practicing beekeepers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> An and aspiration shared by many. Yeah. Um, last uh, winter, we... Let me, we let, me, let me give you some advice. <laughs> <laughs> With beekeeping, you just have to get your work out there. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Yeah, you might, you might have a day job for a while, but you're going you're gonna to have to beekeep at night. You're going to have to get up in the, in the early morning and beekeep. Yeah. You're going to have to beekeep even on your birthday. And for a long time, no, you're going to be rejected a lot for your yeah. beekeeping. People are going to be saying no. But in beekeeping, as in all the arts, persistence is almost more important than talent. If you just keep keeping, eventually <laughs> you're going to be a beekeeper. All right. I, I really appreciate those words of encouragement. I, I, I have to say, we joined the Beekeeping Guild of, sure. of the city of Philadelphia um, last year. When you say you joined the Beekeeping Guild, do you mean in real life or in a massively <laughs> multiplayer online role-playing game? That's in real life. That's right. Um, so, it... Um, What's the problem? Okay. So uh, I, we, I, we I do appreciate hearing about all your professional accreditations, <laughs> but what is the dispute you're having about the bees? Um, okay, so we live in several places. I live in the country outside of Philadelphia, and mm -hmm. she lives in um, the city. We're in, in Fishtown. In Fishtown, great. Mm -hmm. And what is your relationship? We're dating. You're yep. dating, okay. Uh, and where do you want to keep the bees? In Fishtown? Fishtown bees. This is the dispute. She'd like to keep them in Fishtown. I'd like to keep them in the country. Yeah, you know what? You're dating. If you're not married, you can keep your own separate piece. <laughs> well, this is the problem because we, we joined the guild together and we'd like to have beekeeping as a shared hobby. Um, and seeing as how we spend more of our time in the city um, and I own my house in the city, I have a small yard, urban beekeeping is kind of... It's a, to it's a totally cool thing. It's a totally cool thing, People exactly. do it all the time. Um, so I would like to keep bees in my backyard and I would like it to be a joint venture between the two of us. And why is that? What a wonderful gesture, Phil. What's the problem? <laughs> well, I think initially our, our thought was that the countryside was a, a bucolic, beautiful place to have some bees. Um, and, uh, and that uh, perhaps the backyard of, of, of a fish townhouse, which was fairly small. What are the complications sure. of having bees in the backyard? The neighbors are going to get stung? The neighbors might get, well, might, you know, are they stinging, not are going they to get stung, bees? but they might be uh, nervous about it. Are they hurdy bees or are, are they non-hurdy bees? I, I maintain that they're gentle creatures that won't be aggressive towards the neighbors. I, I think I agree. Well, you know what, you'll eventually find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also the matter of, of using... How long have you guys been dating? Uh, about a year. Okay, it's much, much too early for you to be trying to control her life this way. <laughs> and get that beehive in your backyard, suffer the consequences of your neighbors getting stung. Eventually, you might realize you have to move out to the country, but you got to give it a try. Phil, you can keep your own hive out there. You can have your side piece out there in the country, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, right, but right now, you guys got to do your own thing. Bees in, fish down. <laughs> Annie and Phil, Molly and Jimmy are our next litigants. Step up to the microphones, please. Immediately, right now. We're doing it fast. No, seriously. For all, yeah. For all the ambling time, you're denying other people justice. And uh, thank you for dressing up, sir. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, what are your names? 
I'm Molly. Uh, Molly? Jimmy. Jimmy? Yeah. And what is your dispute? And Jimmy, you really want to talk, so let's go. Uh, well, she has the problem with me, but I, I okay, so oh, okay, I... Okay, Molly. I, I, oh, okay, I know what this is about. Yeah. Molly, explain. I would like him to never wear this hat with me in public. <laughs> Jimmy, can you describe not, the hat? A... Jimmy, can you describe the hat? Uh, sure, I could, I could put it on too if you want. Can I uh, let the let the record let the record reflect that uh, Jimmy is selling the hat <laughs> with a sort of 1950s sitcom child grin. <laughs> It is, let the record show that it is a bucket hat, uh, sort of like a Gilligan's Island hat, though instead of sailor white, it's sort of uh, puke green, and it's got, what is the logo on it that you're buzz marketing? Bush Gardens. Bush Gardens. <laughs> there are two pins on the hat. Uh, one's for Apollo's Chariot, and the other's for Jamestown, Virginia. Where did you get the hat, and why is it important to you? Uh, my parents got it for me in sixth grade at Bush Gardens. How long have you guys been dating? We're, we're, we've been we're, married for a year. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. Did he wear the hat during the ceremony? <laughs> I, I he, did have a friend wear it in it the He brought it to the wedding. <laughs> she didn't know. And surprised me with passing it around our friends. Would you describe the hat as your lovey? <laughs> Or your wubby? Uh, both. Oh. Well, you, you had met him before you married him, right? <laughs> because I'm telling you right now, Jimmy uh, makes a very strong impression. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as he gangly walked and smiled onto my stage, wearing shorts and sandals after dark in Philadelphia, <laughs> looking like Andy Samberg in a J. Crew catalog. I knew exactly who this guy was. Like every, and I'm not saying like I still don't know exactly what you are, but I'm getting an idea. That's I feel like no matter what he's, you know how the teacher in uh, Peanuts just goes whenever she talks. No matter what he's saying, I just hear, "Oh, geez, fella, which way's Mayberry?" <laughs> I, I am a teacher. Yeah. It's my job. You're a teacher. What do you teach? Biology, uh, and and at, at high school level. College? Yeah, high school. Yeah, I, all right. Where here in Philadelphia? Uh, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. Jimmy, are those your students? <laughs> you snuck into the bar. All right, Jimmy. Molly. I want to be clear. You're lucky you're married to Molly because otherwise I would have married you by now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What do they call you in high school? Like, what, what's your what? How do they refer to you in, in class, uh, Mister Cool? Uh, Mister Cool. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Wilk, Silk Wilk, Wilk the Stilt. Yeah. <laughs> Wilk the Stilt. That's awesome. This no, is I a love little unorthodox so Molly, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I'm sometimes asked as an internet fake judge to officiate uh, weddings. Uh, I always <laughs> say no because I don't think that weddings should be a joke. Uh, but I will officiate a divorce <laughs> right now <laughs> so that Jesse and I can marry your husband. <laughs> Molly, 
you just don't like that hat and it embarrasses you? Yes. But you knew it was coming when you married him. She, for better or he, for hat is basically. Has, <laughs> she, she didn't know. He started, he started wearing it more um, recently, and it started just like doing yard work. I asked him to protect the top of his head from I, the sun. I'm losing my hair a little bit. And so he, his solution was to wear a hat, which I'm happy with, and that's fine. Where so, does he wear the hat that you feel is inappropriate? That's the thing. Around our house, I'm fine, even though I don't like it, it's fine. But he wears it, like, to the store. He tried to take it on vacation. Yeah, well, that's a vacation hat. Unless you, For a child. Unless you're going to, the, like, the Louvre. Great. No, but anywhere, I just, when I look at him, he looks, he looks like a child, but he's my husband. Yeah. That's going to be true for the rest of your life. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say, Molly. I love that hat. I love that guy. You're not wrong, though. If he had come out onto my stage wearing that hat along with the shorts and sandals, I would have said, get out. <laughs> I thought you were telling him to get rid of the hat forever. That hat must never leave your life. <laughs> but you know that that is an outdoors hat for taking a hike or working in the garden or going on a boat. <laughs> or go into bush gardens. <laughs> Just as when the sun goes down and it's September, put on some damn long pants. <laughs> but I like, I like you, Wilk the Stilt. <laughs> and I want you guys to take, I order you to take a vacation to bush gardens uh, before June of next year. Uh, this is the sound of a gavel. You keep the hat. <laughs> Wear it in context. All right, that's Swift Justice, ladies and gentlemen. Judge Hodgman, should we get Cynthia Hopkins back out here? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the stage for a final song, Ms. Cynthia Hopkins. So I live, I live here now. I moved here... Um, six months ago, maybe. <laughs> I can't remember now. Um, so this is kind of an homage to, this is like my attempt to write something about how much I love it here. And so the chorus is just the word Philadelphia. So if you guys feel compelled, you won't know the tune, but it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of like, you could just yell out Philadelphia. <laughs> You'll, when it comes around. <laughs> I wanted to make something that had no form to it, like a train whistle in the middle of the night. I wanted to make something without consideration from the outside, something worth. Like a pack of wolves in a wide open space Before it was called Philadelphia 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 Yes, but I couldn't get it right. I wanted to make something fearless and bold, 
Like jazz and blues, rock and roll Like a wide open field It's never known a farmer oh, Like the birthplace of freedom I now call home We want to thank the litigants for sharing their disputes and to Nick Moritz for naming this episode's case. We also want to thank Robert Hicks of the Mutter Museum and our musical guest, Cynthia Hopkins, for joining us in Philadelphia. You can find more information about the museum at muttermuseum.org. You can find Cynthia's music and her podcast, Moving to Philadelphia, at cynthiahopkins.com. If you're in New York, Cynthia will be performing her new show, Articles of Faith, from June 15th through the 17th at The Kitchen. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. If you've got a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you love Judge John Hodgman, we hope that you will support it in the upcoming Max Fun Drive. Mark your calendars. It starts March 20th. And, of course, you can support us anytime at MaximumFun.org slash donate. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.